Welcome to B2B Tech Founders Lounge podcast. I'm Ludmila, founder and CEO of Rampic, a B2B digital marketing agency. We help tech founders get the most of their marketing effort and promote their stories to our audience. We believe that every tech founder has a unique story and their business needs attention. Stick around till the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can become our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. Hello and welcome to B2B Tech Founders Launch Podcast, the space where tech founders and leaders share their unconventional visions and stories. Today, I'm here with Peter Wasmer, the CEO and founder of Provalet. Peter, welcome to the show. Good morning, Ludmilla. Nice to see you and thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, Peter, you are a serial entrepreneur and also like the second generation entrepreneur from what I know. Uh, can you give us a little bit more like a background what brought you to entrepreneurship and specifically to tech? Sure. Um, well, uh, my dad is an immigrant from Cuba and he came uh, shortly uh, after uh, Castro started to make his presence known in the in the 50s and um, a guy who who showed up who didn't know how to speak English, uh, ended up who should have been in fourth grade, got put in seventh grade. Um, and so very quickly learned the language and accelerated his learning and put himself through school. Um, he saw and understood the American dream very clearly and chased it. And so he, I grew up in a in an entrepreneurial home. Um, of course, he worked for a couple of large companies initially, but then eventually landed in uh, the space where he said, hey, I can do this on my own. And the the industry and the expertise that he had was in um, equipment leasing, and um, it was a it was a very compelling business for me as a kid to understand how it worked and the intricacies and uh, really uh, foundational for me in terms of understanding a three party agreement and how that works. Most people think of a transactional uh, relationship. Uh, a, a, a dual party relationship where there's one transaction, but in the case of leasing, it's a tri-party agreement. And so a little bit more complex, um, but I, I gravitated to it and actually ended up starting to work with him uh, back in the 90s. Um, and then we ended up selling the business in 2007. So a small independent leasing company. Um, and uh, we had a great run, a very good team, and we ended up selling it. And uh, I stayed on with them for a couple more years. Um, and then in 2010, I was approached by a couple of investment bankers to develop a leasing platform for Harley Davidson motorcycles. So we took a look at it, and as an asset valuation, um, guy. I don't know if I'm an expert, but I have a pretty good feel for where things will land in terms of their valuation in two, three, and four years. We looked at the Harley Davidson assets and we said, holy moly, these things really hold their value. They are a great asset for leasing. So we put together a team and um, a whole host of investors and went about the process of building a system that facilitated an authentic vehicle lease for pre-owned Harley Davidsons. Um, and that did a couple of things for us. Number one, um, Harley Davidson has probably, it's down below this number now, but they, they had about 600 dealers across the country. And um, we thought, well, this is a good place to go ahead and 
put the put the product. Um, the system itself uh, allowed a dealer who didn't know anything about leasing, by the way, um, and we we built it with what I call TGM, third grade mentality. So <laughs> somebody who somebody who didn't know anything about leasing could simply plug in the things that they did know, the type of the, the bike, the year, the price, uh, and put in some information about the uh, the uh, the rider, uh, get a credit decision immediately, and then based upon a yes or no, push a button and actually have the lease itself manifest itself in a way that happened within seconds versus hours or minutes or something like that. Um, that was a mandate uh, actually from the dealer population. Um, they said, look, if we use your system, we need it to work very quickly. So we beat everybody else out there from a credit decision perspective and then a delivery of documents um, and then also the delivery of the dollars. Once the deal closed, the dealer needed to get paid. So we had we automated the entire system. In fact, we automated it to the to the point where uh, a rider, if he said yes, within minutes, he would have on his phone a DocuSign document that he could sign with his thumb and he could be riding within wow. a couple of minutes. Yep. Yeah. So it was very cool. And and that uh, foundation, that the building out of that system was uh, contingent upon the prior experience that I had in equipment leasing, where in the in that in that business we had uh, four or five different management systems that we needed to input all of the same data. So we had these four or five systems, none of which talked to each other, right? Uh, and all of that same data needed to be input so that we could manage the portfolio, whether it was tax, uh, equipment management customer management, um, invoicing, uh, sales tax was another one. I mean, it's just crazy. And so um, all of those systems needed to be uh, managed independently. It was very expensive. So when we started um, the motorcycle leasing business, it was originally called Chrome Capital. And when we started that business, I said to the team, look, here's the deal. I want everything to go in one place. I want it to go in one time and I want it to be managed from there. And I had a very talented uh, group of people with me that understood and valued what we were what we were going to do, um, and so they built that from the back end perspective, and then from the front end perspective, we built a very uh, easy to use platform for again any dealer across the country. And because we were focused on pre owned Harley Davidson motorcycles, we could go not only to the Harley Davidson dealerships themselves, but we could now go to all of the independent dealers across the country who make a trade in pre owned Harley Davidsons. Uh, and as it turns out, those were the guys that really took us up on this uh, two, three and four year lease product. Um, we made their lives infinitely easier because we would accept uh, lower credit scored uh, customers in the lease because we owned the asset. And you know, if we That's had awesome. an issue, if we, the other thing that we did was we, we actually automated the, the payment component to it where um, I wasn't waiting for a check from any rider. We ACH'd, your, we ACH'd your bank account. And if we didn't get paid, we called you immediately. And in about 90% of the cases, we got things rectified right away. It might have been a uh, you know offset between you know the day the guy got paid and when we tried to pull the payment, we pulled it the next day, no problem. Um, but in 10% of the cases where somebody was you know going to uh, you know basically not pay, we had 
all the rights to go out and recover the asset. And the faster you do that, the better you are from a value perspective. So we had a great cool. team. Yeah, we had a great team that that uh, managed that portfolio really, really well. Um, and so, but all of that was systems-based, right? So you can't do that just because you say you want to do it. You have to have systems that tell you what's happening. And the ACH component was critically important to the success of that um, that team because we would, on a daily basis, get a report that said, you know, all of these people paid, but these people were left out. So we could put that in, in the hands of the people who were tasked with that job, and they just simply call them uh, and tell them, hey, we're going to pull again, or we're going to, you know, whatever whatever the conversation was. Anyways, it zeroed in on the exact market that needed to be addressed immediately because there was something that fell out of the standard that we had we had built. So it was a great business and a great team. And um, I, I really enjoyed it a lot. Uh, a very capital intensive business and um, one that, you know, although <laughs> you got to really watch what you wish for. Uh, in the former leasing business, uh, we were not the bank. We partnered with banks on transactions. And of course, these transactions were larger, you know, from a couple hundred thousand dollars to a few million dollars in each in each case. Um, and, and, you know, using a bank made an awful lot of sense in the case of the Harley business, you know, the average ticket size was probably twenty twenty one thousand dollars $21,000. And it would, it was, it would be virtually impossible to get a bank to fund single transactions. So like, uh, like an automotive, um, uh, platform, you, you go out and you borrow a big chunk of money. Anyways, uh, it was, there was a there was a lot of extra hair on those deals uh, that was <laughs> that was a lot of fun to navigate, but um, I've opted to go I've opted to go in a different direction. Uh, again, taking the experience that I've had in those in those two companies um, and driving that into Pro Valet. Uh, there's a real uh, there's a great need for business process automation for small and medium sized companies. We have, of course, seen business process automation at much higher levels. I mean, when I, when I dealt with the Fortune 1000s, you know, Oracle, SAP, uh, and a number of other accounting systems that were put in place helped those larger companies create the flywheel of their business and automate a lot of these different things. And I looked at the small business, the small service business, and in particular, we're focused on what I call the regular interval service business. Right. These are the guys that show up to clean your pool or they cut your lawn or maybe you have somebody that comes and cleans your home, pest control, things like that. These folks um, predominantly are uh, running their business on a piece of paper and maybe an Excel spreadsheet. So, so like, uh, the, the, the maximum that they can afford probably, right, like the Excel spreadsheet in, in like in regular life up until they have uh, a system like yours. Correct. Uh, I think so. The perception is, is that that is all that they can afford. And they're, they're sort of like that. This is it seems easy, accessible um, and uh, you can keep it within uh, uh, a realm of reasonableness from a management perspective. And I don't I don't disagree with that. But once you go. So uh, a great example in the pool business is once a guy uh, grows his business to a couple of hundred customers. You, you've now jumped into a different uh, level of management where I have probably three technicians, uh, four trucks, 
um, 200 customers and and I have uh, maybe my my wife or girlfriend is at home and she does all of the invoicing and uh, tries to do payment collections, but it's not really a system that that uh, that you can live with. It's one that you survive with. And so our, our, our job, our mission every single day is to go out and figure out how do we put more time and money back into people's lives and make their lives infinitely easier. And so I think that's what we've done here with Pro Valley. We've received some great uh, feedback from people. Um, we had a small guy, a small pool company up in Kentucky uh, who signed up with us last year. Um, and within four months, he had been awarded best new company in his region. Uh, he was acquiring customers left and right. And he could do those things because he was able to actually work on his business, not in the business. He let Pro Valet run the business. We automated scheduling so that the dispatches show up to his technicians in the field. Um, his customers had uh, communications automatically letting them know, you know when service started, when it was ended, when there was an invoice. Uh, and in fact, we put together a homeowner app that facilitates uh, payments. So he's not even collecting payments now. They just happen automatically because their customers turn toggle on, you know, auto pay and any invoice that he sends over, it just simply automatically gets paid. We're, uh, we're integrated deeply with uh, Stripe and boy, does it work great. I'm really, really happy with that. So awesome. That's that, that's a great story. Can you tell us a little bit more about like the Pro Valley as a platform? Platforms are very like interesting businesses, right? Uh, like in the leasing uh, world, you have three parties, but usually platforms connect much like many more parties. So what what's inside the Pro Valley? How how how, how does that platform uh, look like? So there are uh, three components to it. There's a standard uh, management dashboard where you are able to replicate the business that you want. It's infinitely customizable. Uh, you can create service orders of any kind that you want um, using their six ge generic uh, modules that we've put in. And you can add as many or as few uh, of those as you want to build out your, your service order. Um, and that's, of course, where you manage invoicing, if you manage your customers, you manage your technicians, what have you. So that's all into the, that's in the admin dashboard. Um, the second component is the technician app. And the technician app is an interesting, that was an interesting build because we've integrated GPS with the app that allows me as the business owner to see on a map where my guys are, uh, guys or gals, uh, where they are in the field. It also shows me if they've completed jobs, what their progress is through the day. Uh, maybe I need to look on a map because uh, I got a phone call from Mrs. Johnson exclaiming that there was a problem with her pool and she's got a lunch party coming up and could you send somebody over? And well, Mrs. Johnson's a great uh, customer. So I look and I look on my map and I see that Billy is closest to Mrs. Johnson and I can just simply dispatch a job to him. He'll get it right on his phone and he can go to Mrs. Johnson's and take care of her issue uh, before her luncheon. So awesome. the technician, now the technician, um, when they, so the way we have it set up there, the technician cannot check into a job unless he's actually at the job. 
So he can't be sitting down at the park eating lunch, you know, claiming he's, um, you know, doing his job. He actually has to be at the job. And when he checks in, we get a time and a location stamp on him. Um, and then he'll go through and do the job that you designed for him. And then he'll check out. Um, and once he checks out, we get a time and location stamp for when that happened. Um, that does a couple of different things from an accountability perspective. I, as a business owner, I know that the guy was there. I can see the time uh, and I can see the location. That same data can be included in the report that's sent automatically to the customers. As soon as you're done and check out, there's a report that automatically goes to the customers. And that report goes by email. And it also goes to the third component, which is the homeowner app. So as a homeowner, I would get a notification that the job's been completed and I can look at the report. Maybe there are pictures in there and maybe I'm traveling and I just simply get that uh, accountability report that shows that, yeah, my service actually got done. It looks great. Everybody look, it looks terrific. If it's a billable job, I can click and pay the bill immediately on, uh, on the app. If I have auto pay turned on, the bill's already paid. I never have to look at an invoice. It just simply gets paid. So those are the three components. Wow. Um, and they work seamlessly with each other. Uh, and it's really that homeowner app and the communication with the customer piece that separates us from anybody else in the field service software business. Um, I, I bet. I bet because you like uh, you squared out so many uh, things where any sort of friction can happen. Um, not necessarily on like on the management kind of app with its uh, headache on its own, but when it comes to customer service and customer satisfaction and billing and collections, oh my God, yeah, that's 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 great. That's you know, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, one of the things that I found uh, even in life, just having discussions and and relationships across the board, whether it's uh, personal or professional, people just simply want to be heard. And they want to know that they're heard. So the homeowner app becomes this tool for um, being able to express yourself and then to get an acknowledgement that you're heard. I'll give you an example. Uh, in the app, we built in a service request button. And a customer can click on that. They can type up a little request. Um, but they can also add a picture or a video. And then when they hit submit, that story lands on the home on the uh, company's dashboard. And once that once they see once the company sees that and they touch it and they manage it, as soon as they touch it in management, there's a little push notification that goes to the customer that says, "We've received your your request." When that request turns into a scheduled job, which you can do right on the app, once you do that. Then there's another notification that says that your uh, service request has been scheduled for such and such a date. So as a customer, I just want to know that I'm heard. And that is a that was a that was a personal desire that I had because I had an I started this whole platform with a personal experience around my pool at 10 o'clock one night in 2000, I don't know, 20. And um, we had just put in a new light. I live in Florida, and so we're fortunate to have a pool. Um, and I had just put in a new light, very expensive, beautiful LED light. And I never would have spent the money except that I thought, look, it's going to really make the place look great. So I did that. Um, and I went around the pool one night, and it wasn't on. I thought, oh, 
well, maybe, maybe, maybe it's the timer's off. And I went in, no, the timer was on, it was turned on. And I thought, geez, that's terrible. So I had to pick up the phone, call the pool company that, that does my service. And that took about 10 minutes to get through finding the number, uh, walking through the uh, voicemail chain, and then leaving a message. So, okay, no problem. Um, and um, I never heard back from anybody. And I didn't, I didn't have time yeah. to follow up with it. But I did walk around the pool about 30 days later, and uh, lo and behold, the light was on. I thought, oh, well, maybe there was a short or something else happened. And because um, I never heard back from the pool company, right? And I, and uh, no, in fact, that wasn't the case. The next day when I went to the mailbox, there was a bill, <laughs> a big fat bill. And I thought, geez, you know, there's, I'm glad they fixed it, but there's got to be a better way to make this communication thing happen a little bit better. Because in my mind, in the 30-day gap between the time when I made the call and the time that I got the invoice, I'm thinking, maybe I need a different company. Do I need to call somebody else, right? So I'm shopping around. I'm cheating, right, on my, on my, uh, on my service company when a simple little uh, communication would have let me know that, yeah, they've got it handled. So... Exactly. Like is, just, to push, just to push notification away, right? So what, like... Yeah. Um, Oh, I see. Yeah, this is, uh, you have packed quite a bit of like very useful and sophisticated from the technical perspective, but very easy to understand features uh, in ProValley. But how do you make decisions when it comes to like the product design roadmap? Um, you yeah. should be getting a lot of feedback, both like you have at least three parties, right? We have uh, uh, the service company itself, you have technicians, you have the clients. Everybody's probably giving you some hints what they would like. But how do you prioritize? How do you drive those product decisions? So um, ProValet, uh, although it has its uh, origins in the pool service business, uh, it's built agnostically. And so we we don't really care if you're a pool service company, a lawn care company, uh, pest control or what have you. Um, the the platform will work uh, it for those businesses. And what we've done over the last several years is as we built the platform, we've taken it into the market and received feedback. So specifically in two, in 2020 and 2021, we built out an MVP. Um, and we started advertising it and we started going to pool shows and talking to people and based upon the feedback from the marketplace that we're serving, the, the actual business owners, that's where we started to come up with a lot of the ideas. So decisions start to be made in relationship to let's get this thing stood up. And by the way, high focus on security of data. We're just I mean, the 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 uh, foundational building blocks of the Harley Davidson leasing company, and based upon the financial partners that we had, we had to be Sarbanes Oxley compliant. We had to be uh, PCI compliant, and basically, that just means that uh, personally identifiable personal identifiable information had to be absolutely. Uh, uh, encrypted or blocked. And so in this platform, because again, we're dealing with the general public, we are very conscientious of that as well. So um, can we scale it quickly? Can we use tools that are already in the, in the, uh, in the, in, in the uh, domain to help scale this and, and, uh, and ladder it up? And we found um, 
my CTO is a guy that he's he's the he's the fellow that helped me build the uh, platform for uh, Chrome Capital and very very uh, smart guy that that uh, helped to build out the the tools that we that we used in this in this business. The feature build out, the decisions about feature build out go through uh, a filter that asks the question: Is this feature that's being requested good for just the person requesting it, or is it good for all? And so um, it has to lean into it's good for everyone in order for us to consider it. And then we start so to prioritize. Like, like, like the greater good, right? So the principle of greater good. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. And uh, and so we have, uh, so we go through it. It's not much of a decision tree. It's a pretty clear, it's a cut and dry decision. And then once we have the decision, okay, this is good for all, then we have to look at our, you know, it's, it, it's exactly like building um, a home. You know, you have to have a really sound foundation before you can put the walls and the windows and the roof on. Uh, and so that's how we make decisions about where things get prioritized. Uh, anybody that's done any development in the B2B SaaS world will understand uh, the voluminous number of ideas that sit in what we call icebox. We use a, a couple of different management tools for, for uh, developing. And um, all of these ideas end up in icebox. And you have to, on a regular basis, cull through those and then figure out where do they sit in the development queue and then reassess. Uh, and then, of course, there's the, there's the quality assurance. There's the testing that happens. And I'll tell you, 2023 was a really hard year. I ate a lot of crow at the beginning and the middle of 2023 for Pro Valet. I was assured uh, by, by both the teams internally and the development teams that we were good to go on multiple fronts. So we hit the gas on starting to market the platform and we did, and we had some rather catastrophic, um, I'll call it uh, out of the lab into the wild uh, troubles. <laughs> well, <clears throat> the homeowner app uh, in particular ended up being uh, very problematic and quirky. Once it got into the hands of the general public, there were um, only a couple of different areas where you could go wrong. But for some reason, the general public they they migrated right to those couple of different areas that created these big problems. For for example, there was a login button, and it was just a little script button down at the very bottom. And for some reason, people got confused and they hit that login button. And for whatever reason, that was tied to logging into as a company versus logging in as a customer. And it caused a great deal of confusion. Um, and by the time we had uncovered where the issue was really happening. We actually spoke to some of the customers. They showed us screenshots and we couldn't figure out how they were getting to where they were getting until we backed all the way into it. Um, and it just caused some, it just caused some catastrophic uh, failures with companies who just said, Hey, look, we're, we're done. We're not going to do this because we're really representing them with their customers. And so uh, it was a, it was a, it was a very uncomfortable time. The good news is we have we have actually um, we retrenched, went back, rebuilt those things, reoriented even the UI to make sure that that could never happen again, uh, and this and the product is now being 
it's being used flawlessly by 85 year olds on the east coast of florida who just want to know what's happening with their pool so i think if uh i think if a retiree on the east coast of florida is able to navigate this app anybody can navigate it it's pretty simple you, Again, did, get... you did great yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so it was uh so 2023 was a year of uh survival 2024 is a year of uh thriving so that's the that's the direction we're going in peter thank you so much that is an incredible like personal and professional story that you've shared. I really appreciate the insights uh, and all the wisdom um, that you that you brought uh, brought up. Uh, in uh, It is incredible. And I wish uh, Provole and you personally a huge success in 2024. You're doing great things. Uh, you're helping so many groups of people. And especially you are supporting the small businesses with the technology that definitely helps them grow and moves them forward. I appreciate it a lot. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Ludmilla. Thanks, Peter. Thanks, thanks for being a wonderful guest. Take care. Take care. Ludmilla here. Thanks so much for listening to B2B Tech Founders Lounge podcast. If you are a B2B Tech founder who would like to be on the show, visit podcast.rampic.agency. If you've got something from this interview that you would like to share, please go ahead and post a link to this episode on social media. Just grab a link, send it to a friend. If you know someone who will be a great guest on the show, tag them in your post to let them know about the show and include our podcast name, which is B2B Tech Founders Lounge, in your post. I love seeing your post and guest suggestions. We are adding new episodes frequently, so make sure you subscribe to the podcast. This means a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Visit us at Traffic Agency website or follow me on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.